0: Joel, I I think uh, if you had wanted to fill uh, an arena or a conference center or a hotel ballroom with people who would pay to hear you in uh, the last 20 or 30 years, you would need to be saying something about success. But over the last five to ten years in American culture, people have discovered that success is not all that it's cracked up to be. And that the issue is not success. Anybody can make themselves a success. Numbers, for instance, are like people. And if you push on them hard enough, they'll say anything you want them to say and make you look successful. So anybody can be a success at something. The key is effectiveness. Successful people often think, if you focus on success, often think they influence more people than they do, but effective people influence more people than they think they do.
1: This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics, while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Welcome back to The Leaders We Need. I'm your host, Joel Harder. I want to thank you for being an important part of changing the leadership culture in our communities, states, and nation. The conversations you hear on The Leaders We Need are just one way that we break through cycles of incivility and go beyond the policies and politics to focus on the people leading across our nation. As you listen to this episode and others, be sure to leave a comment and let us know what you think and what you want to hear more of in future episodes. Also, please share these podcasts, too. Well, what do leaders need to do when they discover that success may not be all they hoped it was? It's an interesting question, and the answer is significant. On today's episode, I have the opportunity to sit down with one of my favorite leaders. It's a special conversation, too, because it's the first time to have someone who isn't coming directly from the policymaking community. And that's important because we need strong leaders in all sectors of society. Politics undoubtedly, but also in business, education, civic organizations, and in faith communities. Dr. Tom Eliff is my guest today. His leadership experience spans decades. He's led in local churches, both small and large congregations. He remains an important voice in denominational leadership twice elected as president of the largest denomination in the country. Dr. Elif is also the former president of the IMB. That's the International Mission Board, a global organization with personnel working on multiple continents and in dozens of nations and cultural contexts. This is the first part of my conversation with Tom, and he will tell you that more than successful leaders, what we really need are effective leaders. Well, let's get to the conversation with Tom Eliff on The Leaders We Need. When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder, forward written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When leaders matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. Well, Dr. Tom Eliff... Thank you so much for joining me on the leaders we need. Can I call you Tom for this conversation? Everybody else does. So
0: <laughs> of course you can. Yeah, well,
1: I'm I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to visit with you and just to hear about your leadership and talk a little bit about, um, in particular, some of the experiences you've had, some of the leadership uh, roles that you've served in, and just how you've seen leadership really work mm. and not work. Well, uh, I look
0: forward to the next few minutes. Yeah. Then
1: I became aware of you. Um, A number of years ago, long before we moved to Oklahoma, uh, I was involved in leading all of the global work that we did at First Baptist Alexandria. And Mm -hmm. and so I, uh, and at that time, you were the president of the IMB, the International Mission Board, and I had remarkable experiences working with IMB personnel in Central Asia and launching brand new work in Eastern Europe. And so I first became aware of you uh, at that time, I uh, had never had a chance to meet you then. And then when we moved to Oklahoma, a mutual friend of ours had given uh, given you my name and number. And I remember vividly sitting in a, in a meeting talking about something completely different, unrelated to our move to Oklahoma, and you gave me a call and spent probably 15 minutes on the mm. phone, spoken to my life in a very powerful way and you didn't know me at all. So that, that was such a meaningful and significant conversation and I think it's a testimony to the power of, of a, a heartfelt leader to be able to speak into any person and mm. regardless of whether or not they're working for you, part of your organization or not, uh, and then we've had uh, now many years uh, of getting to know each other since I've moved to Oklahoma. And I've just, I cannot s- speak highly enough uh, to well, the, you're the person that I, I know you to be and have seen you to be. So I'm, I'm so excited to have this conversation. For those who may not uh, know who you are, why don't we just start by giving kind of a, a quick introduction just to who you are and, and some of the some of the roles that you've you've served in and and what you're doing right now
0: well i'm a believer yeah and uh, a believer whom the lord graciously called into ministry position uh, early in life when i was 18 as a matter of fact and so for the most part of my life joel i've served as a uh, pastor of local churches and then um uh, the last decade or so of my life, I've had the privilege of serving um, uh, both with the International Mission Board, seven and a half years, and uh, in some roles with our, our Southern Baptist Convention mm-hmm. on a national basis. Um, but, you know, being married, having four children who love the Lord, serve Him, um, my first wife and I, after... Uh, 49 years, passed away of uh, cancer. After 49 wonderful years of marriage, we had four children, 25 grandchildren, Mm. nine great-grandchildren. And uh, then three and a half years ago, God graciously brought into my life a wonderful lady. Her husband, in fact, and I were acquaintances, and he was a pastor out in Tennessee. He had passed away after 47 years of marriage, passed away of Lou Gehrig's disease, Mm. God brought us together. So now we have six children together and 33 grandchildren. Wow! And uh, so the Lord has really blessed us. And the privilege of seeing those children and grandchildren serve the Lord has been the delight of my life, really. I I can't think of anything that is uh, uh, more wonderful than to wake up day after day and to pray for those children, you know, and to see what they're doing around the world. Four continents, Yeah, as a match back.
1: And there's so much to talk about as far as the the global reach and impact of your own life and now through your family I have heard it said and I really do believe this because of my relationship with with my grandparents that you learn a sense of right and wrong you get a sense of bearings from your parents but you really get that sense of identity and spiritual heritage from grandparents
0: you know just just an aside uh, uh, and it may, may or may not be where we're headed with this program today, but um, my great-grandfather uh, left Tennessee shortly after the Civil War with his first wife and came to Indian Territory because he heard he could put in a farm here, came as far as the train would go, which mm-hmm. is Fort Smith, bought a wagon, came in to be a Horse Thief Springs down around Hartshorn, um, put in a farm. She came down with cholera, and she said, I don't want to die in Indian Territory so he sold the farm and 39 dollars and went back to fort smith got on a train and on the train she began to die and she said um jim would you would you hand our baby to that lady over there and so he took the baby and gave it to a lady and she said i'm gonna die but will you promise me two things she said i know you'll keep your word if you promise and he said "Uh, what are they she said promise me you'll give your life to God, and promise me you'll give this baby to God. And um, he, he was not a believer. In fact, mm. we do not have a believer in our family, although we've been on, in, on this continent since the 1737. Mm. And um, so he uh, got on his knees, and when he stood up, he looked at her, and he said that she was lying on a bench on this train. And uh, he said, Mary Jane, I promise And she looked at him and said, goodbye, Jim. Say goodbye to the baby. He became very much of a Christian. Two years later, came out with his second wife, Sarah Boren. And uh, they came back to Hartshorn, uh, where he's buried, in fact, and had uh, 11 children, six of whom died, five lived. One was my grandfather, who answered God's call to the ministry. And from him down to my grandson... There are 22 ministers in our family, 20 living right now mm. uh, in our family and probably others to come. And, of course, it makes from some loud uh, family reunions. But uh, what an influence that man had. Yeah. So influence, mm-hmm. that's a big issue.
1: Well, obviously, you're coming from a perspective and a background of leading in churches and leading in uh, faith organizations, faith-based organizations, one of the largest uh, global missions organizations in the world. Uh, And that makes you a very special guest coming from outside the political Mm -hmm. arena. We need leadership uh, in all arenas of our society. Leaders really do matter. And to lead in faith communities, to lead in churches, to... The, the influence that you have um, affects and impacts people who then go to work, you know, debate and discuss politics, who go and vote, who go and run for office. The, the influence of, of those who are leading in civic organizations in communities and in churches are just as significant in this conversation of, of leadership. How would you uh, describe your leadership?
0: Well, are you talking about leadership style or leadership mistakes? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, some years ago I adopted a little phrase that I think describes my leadership style, um, which I've tried to model, uh, just after reading and studying the way the Lord has, you know, has led us, um, but I've called it leadership by leaning. You know, a leader has to be a visionary. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet leadership doesn't mean that you stand there and say, okay, there's a the vision. Now here's where I want you to go. Go down that road, turn right, go down, go left. Now, all right, there you are. Now you've got it. Here's what I want you to do while you're down there. Not exactly what Jesus did. Mm. Uh, Jesus said, here's the vision. He put his arm on the shoulder of his disciple and said, now let's go for a walk. Yeah. And so I've, I've found that it's a whole lot better to maintain that personal contact and to lead by leaning, just mm-hmm. to walk together toward the objective, put a little pressure where it's needed, back off when it's not, uh, be there as a constant source of encouragement, uh, not, uh, not spending a lot of time giving out information. You know, it's interesting to me that uh, uh, Jesus asked questions, Yes, he did. In the in the Gospels, there recorded three hundred and seven different questions which Jesus which Jesus asked. Now he was asked one hundred eighty three questions and only answered three. But J- Jesus never asked a question because he needed to know anything. He asked a question because the person whom he was asking needed to know something about himself. Yeah. And so when you're leading by leaning. Uh, you have an opportunity to enter into dialogue with the the people or the person whom you're seeking to lead, and you can just ask a lot of questions. And at the end of that, they found out something about you and about themselves, and you've arrived together at the objective. So I I would think that probably describes my style more than anything else.
1: So what are the questions? What are kind of the go-to questions that you think to ask?
0: Oh, it just depends upon the issue. Yeah. It might be a question about a person's life or marriage or a person's understanding of the objective. It might be a question about the person's character. Mm-hmm. Um but you're wanting that person to discover something about himself and of course you're just you know we're not Jesus so we don't know everything and we need to hear from them as well. So uh, um, oh that that is that could be limitless yeah. when you think about the, the kind of questions that you that you ask. The moment determines yeah. that I think more than anything else.
1: Well and if I were to envision a difficult leadership moment you know you maybe have somebody that you're leading that is struggling um, maybe not performing or not necessarily in agreement with the team or the vision Uh, where do you start kind of asking questions sometimes I ask
0: questions about myself do you feel like I have clearly communicated our mission yeah Uh, how do you understand that Mm -hmm. Um, because I may not have or he may not have been listening Mm -hmm. Um, or he may have his own mission and is determined to drive his vision through regardless. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for me to ask that question. How do you understand that? Uh, I, I, may not have, I may not have told you exactly what we do here mm-hmm. and why we do it, and so let's talk about that.
1: Putting the onus back on you as the leader, but mm-hmm. yeah. there's, there's, there's a resolution you're getting to, and that right. is to help him yeah. get there. So looking into this idea of effective leadership, and, you know, I quote Ronald Heifetz, and he talks about, you know, not everybody we call leaders, would we say, are demonstrating leadership. There are people we look to and see they are leaders, but they're not necessarily leading. What's the difference between being a leader and actually being effective in leading?
0: Joel, I I think uh, if you had wanted to fill uh, an arena or a conference center or a hotel ballroom with people who would pay to hear you in uh, the last 20 or 30 years, you would need to be saying something about success. Mm Mm-hmm. But over the last five to ten years in American culture, people have discovered that success is not all that it's cracked up to be and that the issue is not success. Anybody can make themselves a success. Numbers, for instance, are like people. And if you push on them hard enough, they'll say anything you want them to say and make you look successful. Mm -hmm. So anybody can be a success at something. The key is effectiveness. Mm. Now, um, uh, let me let's let's just talk about effectiveness. You yeah. know, uh, effectiveness effectiveness might be described this way. Uh, let me use a word picture. Perhaps this will help. I could take a stick of dynamite. We're sitting here in my house, but we're on a cul-de-sac. I could take a stick of dynamite, dynamite and you and I could walk outside. Um, with that stick of dynamite, I could light the fuse, throw it as high as I could in the air and we would run like crazy. And that stick of dynamite, given all things equal, would explode successfully. It would literally do everything it is capable of doing. It's mm-hmm. been a success. I mean, the heat, light, noise, ash in the air, the wonderful smell of cordite. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it totally successful. But with our Oklahoma winds, um, you come back in about five or ten minutes, and uh, although that it, it had been successful, you look around and there's there's been no no change, nothing has happened. In fact, except maybe for a little residue, mm-hmm. uh, you'd never know it happened. Now think of your life. I could take that same stick of dynamite, and I could go to a rock quarry. Same stick of dynamite. I could find a seam in the face of the the wall there drill a hole in it strategically place that same stick of dynamite light the fuse of course we'd run again like crazy and in a millisecond i would have changed the landscape of the world forever mm. same dynamite mm-hmm. one was successful but the other was effective mm and so i began some years ago looking at the lives of men who were marked by effectiveness not mere success i mean you can be successful and not change anything you can be very famous and change nothing i mean that that's we see that happen all the time yeah how can you be effective you know i mean a a, a person who who is looking at effectiveness, well, if you want to be successful, you think about numbers probably. If you want to be effective, you're thinking about names, people, lives that you yeah, impact. If right. you want to be uh, successful, you're probably thinking about appearances. If you want to be effective, you're thinking about reality. What, what really is happening here? Um, I've discovered that people who are, who are driven by success are often... Uh, they're often concerned about the way things look even their office the way their office looks Mm. and uh but a person who wants to be effective is not so concerned about that as as what he does What, what what is my job you know what am i supposed to do here not how does it look i'll give me a broom closet but just tell me what what i'm to do here what i'm to get done here um successful people often think if you focus on success often think they influence more people than they do, but effective people influence more people than they think they do. Well, yeah. That's and do. Uh, that is so important. So I began to look for people, especially in my particular dist- uh, discipline of the Christian faith. I began to, who is, it? and I came to a number of people, but most notably, um, think of the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. um, In reality, uh, you have just a little over 10 years of really active ministry. Some of that he had spent in prison. But in that time, without the benefit of radio, television, newspaper, any of that, uh, rapid travel, anything, he touched two-thirds of the Mediterranean world with the gospel. And the shadow of his life falls across us today. Yes. And so there is, a, there is a picture of effectiveness. In his day, he was not thought of as much. His very name means a little one. Mm-hmm. And if you read his letters carefully, uh, for instance, to the, his letters to the Corinthians, uh, the believers in Corinth, he, he, you know, they thought he had a big hat and no cattle. I mean, they didn't think much of him. They said, yeah, you talk big when you're away, but you show up, you're, you know, you're not much. And so Paul is a picture of what it means to be effective rather than merely successful. Mm-hmm. And I would say to you that um, mere success is definitely... Um, it's way back down the road from true effectiveness in life and in ministry. And effectiveness applies to everything, whether it's your business or your ministry or your family, your relationship with your wife, your children. Uh, effectiveness is the word I think we ought to we ought to major on. And as a leader, th- that's the kind of leader I want to be. I want to lead effectively.
1: Yeah. What I'm really hearing is the idea of evidence of impact a leader can can do their work whatever that looks like I would is add a any... descriptor to that yeah.
0: enduring evidence mm-hmm. of impact I'm not so interested in immediate yeah. evidence you may not see Paul didn't didn't see uh, all that we have seen of his life and ministry he didn't see that uh, it certainly has happened it certainly hasn't and that's why I would say the enduring impact of a person's life a person's mission a person's ministry a person's the way he conducts his business i think that's i think that's key
1: and to have an enduring impact you also have to learn to to see beyond just the immediate to gain a vision for the long term um, uh, and I, that I, seems difficult uh, maybe it's not, but it seems like that's not something well, we're doing really well
0: now. Well, a, uh, a vision, if you, if, you, uh, if you approach it as I would as a, a believer, mm-hmm. um, a vision is a picture of what can happen by the grace of God mm-hmm. that God paints on the walls of your heart. Um, you probably saw the movie Seven Days at Utopia or at least read the book. And uh, you remember there's one chapter in the book where uh, the golf pro teaches the young man how to, how to uh, drive correctly from off the fairway. And uh, he asked him actually to paint a picture, if you remember, on a canvas yeah. of what he saw. And he said, young man, he said, uh, real players uh, realize that golf is a game that is played to memory. Uh, you got to learn to take good pictures with your eyes because the moment you look down, the only thing you have to guide you is your memory of what you saw. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So, so that is true of life as well. Our life is played to memory. People Joel have spoken into your heart. They've spoken into your life. You have read things. I have I have, my avocation has been reading biographies. My mother used to say, not original with her, every man's a product of the books he reads and the friends he keeps, so read good books and keep good friends, to which I would add in the music he listens to and the, the Lord that he serves. I think those are the, <laughs> the most impactful things. But I began reading biographies, and I would write in the, in the fly leaf of that biography, I, and I've read them by the hundreds. I, I gave away several thousand books recently and still had 667 biographies. Because I would write in the flyleaf that what is this man's secret or this woman's secret? Why am I reading about him and not somebody else? And generally, when it comes to my discipline as a as a a minister, I begin to realize, and a a leader, I begin to realize that all of these people shared some things in common, and that's what that's what I was looking for. That's Mm -hmm. that's what I was after, and um, vision is a big part of it, but. Uh, the Bible tells us very clearly that the plans of God are revealed to the man or woman of God by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. And uh, so that means we need to, to do all that we know to do to be the, a man, a true man or woman of God, but also means that we cannot be effective unless we spend a, a remarkable amount of time in His Word day by day as a discipline. I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. Some of the most avid readers of the scripture I know are men who are presidents of major uh, financial organizations or uh, other kind of businesses. But they know that if they spend time every day in the word of God, that God will then, then give them the ability to almost instinctively, uh, as you would, uh, uh, you know, a doctor hits your knee with a hammer and you have a reflex action, well, you fill your life you know, you fill your life with the Word of God, then your reflexive response will be what you just read that day sometimes. Mm-hmm. There, there are three things that I sort of focused on, and I don't know how much uh, time we have to talk about those, but, but uh, there are three things that I see very clearly. When I, even when I look at Paul's life, these things just stick out in his, in his life that I think every leader should have.
1: Well, you got to at least give them to us because this, this would be so helpful.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I'm trying to think of the way to give it in, in short snippets here. Um, well, here's a good example. Paul opens his magnum opus, the book of Romans, uh, with these words. Paul, and the next thing he says, bondslave of Christ, called to be an apostle, separated of the gospel of God, comma, but let's just stop there. And he tells us three things about himself. First of all, he tells us he's very, very confident in the person he, who controls his life, and that is Jesus. And Paul said, I have absolute confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ as my master. I have, I, I have no doubt that he intends my best at every turn, and I live my life in total surrender to him. The second thing Paul says, he says, called apostle he was very clear about what he was supposed to do mm-hmm. not just who he was he he was an apostle but paul was absolutely he was absolutely clear on the fact that that the lord had a job for him to do joel you came over here in your jeep and you have a key in your pocket now i could take that key and if we, if we looked at it that key has a personality mm-hmm just like every man or woman listening to this broadcast, it has a personality, little notches, grooves, you know. Now I can do a lot of things with it. Scratch my head, I can poke a hole in a piece of paper, I can open a paint can, you know, sometimes damage the key. I can do a lot of things with it, but there is one place where that key fits, one place, Mm -hmm. and that's in the ignition of your automobile out there. Mm -hmm. Well, you have a personality. Every person listening has a personality. There are things that you're, you're strong in this and you're weak in something else. Places you've gone, things you've done, training you have, training you do not have. At any given moment, there's a place you fit perfectly. And I know there are people listening to this broadcast who uh, they've got incredible abilities in, one, in some areas. And th- right now they feel like I'm a key open in a paint can. Hmm. I'm gonna keep poking a hole, doing something as inane as poking a hole through a piece of paper. I've got this ability. I can, I can do this. Well, guess who wants you in the best place? God does. Yeah. And so Paul said the second thing. I, I, I'm really conscious that God has a specific place for me, and He's shown me what that is. But the last thing He said, I think, is is probably more um, a piece of the effectiveness. Uh, equation than any other. He said, I'm, in Paul's case, he said, I'm separated. He said, under the gospel of God. He, he, and, and that word separated in the Greek language, op horizo, there's an horizon drawn around my life, there's a perimeter. Mm-hmm. And Paul said, I've made peace with where God's put me.
1: Hmm. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.